Welcome to the Gold Dome Debrief Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Ceballos. This week, we'll be covering presidential inauguration security in Washington, D.C. and Georgia's capital security. We'll also cover budget priorities for this session of the legislature and the state's priorities for the education budget. Before we get into our feature stories, a lot has happened this week. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability, will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you, God. So help me, God. History was made on Wednesday in the United States. Former Vice President Joseph R. Biden became the 46th President of the United States. Kamala Harris became the nation's first black, South Asian, and woman vice president. And hours later, Vice President Harris administered the oath of office to Georgia's own John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you, God. The two were officially sworn into the U.S. Senate on Wednesday. Ossoff is the first Jewish senator in Georgia's history. Warnock is only the 11th black senator in United States history and the first in Georgia's. Their appointments changed the balance of power in the United States Senate, now split 50-50 along party lines. The Democratic Party now holds a slim majority since Vice President Harris can cast any tie-breaking votes. As the administration settles into office, the pandemic continues to rage across the country. COVID-19 cases in Georgia are still surging. The Georgia Department of Public Health reported that ICU beds are at 91% capacity statewide. Georgia had the fifth highest increase in cases in the nation over the last seven days. Since Thursday, January 14th, 54,361 cases were added to the state's total and 975 Georgians have died, according to CDC data. As of Friday afternoon, the total number of cases in Georgia has reached 707,750. Despite these grim numbers, vaccination administration rates are improving. Governor Brian Kemp announced on Tuesday that the state had doubled the number of vaccines administered. Between January 11th and January 18th, the state doubled its number of vaccinations to 423,000, according to the Georgia Department of Public Health. Demand still greatly exceeds supply, and appointment confusion persists among healthcare workers and eligible seniors. State officials are working to mitigate problems while awaiting federal changes in dosage distribution plans from the Biden administration. A series of lawsuits attempting to invalidate the presidential election results in Georgia have officially come to an end. Pro-Trump lawyer Sidney Powell voluntarily withdrew a lawsuit challenging the November presidential election results. In early December, a federal judge quickly dismissed the suit, which made baseless allegations of voter fraud in the state. Powell had appealed to Georgia's Supreme Court, but she and other attorneys listed on the suit agreed with defendants to have the case dismissed on Tuesday evening. Gold Dome Debrief reporter Jeremy Karaoke was in Washington, D.C. this week as a member of the Georgia Air National Guard. He helped to provide inauguration security and is here now to give us his first-hand perspective of Wednesday's events. 
Jeremy, tell us about the bird's eye view that you had of this historic inauguration. Uh, well, I wouldn't call it a bird's eye view. I would call it more of a street view. Um, we got to walk walk around the not only the streets surrounding the Capitol and the White House, but also inside the Capitol building, which was really cool. And uh, what did the area surrounding the Capitol look like? Do you know? Well, uh, a lot of downtown D.C. has been under um, surveillance of the D.C. police. Uh, there are multiple patrols for uh, D.C. National Guardsmen, as well as the Guardsmen that have been uh, activated in the area. There's multiple checkpoints set up around the city. Um, D.C. residents are still able to move r rather freely, but of course the closer you get to um, the government buildings, the tighter the security gets, as well as uh, places like the National Mall have been locked down for quite some time. But they have opened up uh, as of today. Is there anything else you wanted to say about getting to be a part of the inauguration on Wednesday? It was truly an honor and uh, an experience that is um, unmatched. It's crazy just to, for this time in our lives, we're in a pandemic. Uh, this was one of the most historical elections uh, in U.S. history. And to be here and see everything firsthand was, uh, I was just really lucky to be here. Yeah, I bet. Well, I'm glad everything went off without a hitch. Um, and thank you for giving us the rundown on inauguration security, Jeremy. No problem. It's my pleasure. Heightened security measures were also maintained in and around the Gold Dome throughout the week. Dason Johnson has the update. These gentlemen and their teams are fully prepared to deal with anything and everything that may happen in the days and weeks ahead. Governor Brian Kemp says security at the state capitol will remain on high alert for now. In a report issued last week, the FBI warned of potential protests and demonstrations at state capitals nationwide. The security alerts were based on the riots at the nation's capital a little more than two weeks ago. Here in Georgia, the Department of Public Safety and the Georgia National Guard stood ready for any potential acts of violence. Governor Kemp prioritized capital safety in a statement. Colonel Wright, General Cardin have both been involved uh, at their levels at the national level and with our partners here at the state level. On the potential of those threats, I think our threat level that we are seeing and hearing uh, in regards to the Georgia State Capitol um, seem to be very low. While millions were viewing the inaugural ceremony, small groups gathered outside the Golden Dome in downtown. There were less than a dozen members inside the group. Some protesters brandished signs voicing their grievances. Others wore camouflage jackets and American flag regalia. One protester in specific carried a pocket knife and a bow and arrow. Protesters stood across from the Capitol building accompanied by state patrol members, Capitol, and local police. Tensions were absent as demonstrators congregated and eventually dispersed. Atlanta police maintain a constant presence in the Capitol and greater Atlanta area. Police set up multiple security roadblocks around the Capitol building, and the city of Atlanta used large dumpster trucks to block off roads entering the Capitol. Many of the public parking lots nearby were blocked off for public use. Residents of Atlanta had to take detours around the area in order to make their commutes. In these sections, the Department of Safety states that only foot traffic is permitted for the time being. As we move further away from the inauguration, we should expect to see these restrictions to lift. Dason Johnson, Gold Dome Debrief. On Wednesday, Georgia House Speaker David Ralston released this session's committee assignments, and the legislature held a variety of budget hearings throughout the week. Here's John Thornton with more on the budget priorities for this session. 
This week's legislative sessions focused on the budget. The House and Senate Appropriations Committees met together to begin work on state spending into the 2022 fiscal year. Tuesday started with Governor Brian Kemp outlining his budget priorities. Kemp recommended an increase of nearly $200 million for the Department of Transportation to improve roadways. This would include more than $38 million for the State Road and Tollway Authority with the aim to alleviate interstate congestion and expand the state's tollway system. In addition, there is $100 million added for repairing and replacing bridges. Georgia's expansive transportation network is its lifeblood. Our seaports, rail, highway, and airports allow companies quick and reliable access to both national and international markets. As a part of long-term investment, Kemp also wants to fund stronger broadband infrastructure in rural regions. Kemp proposed $20 million for the 2021 fiscal year and $10 million for each year going forward. This funding is to establish a grant program to strengthen and expand broadband infrastructure in rural communities across the state. Republican Speaker of the House David Ralston agrees with Governor Kemp. High-speed broadband, that's one thing that we're going to have to continue to work on, obviously, is, 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 is expanding that. We've made some progress on that, and I'm very happy about that, but we've got a long way to go yet. Ralston additionally recommends prioritizing mental health care and replenishing the state's rainy day fund. In response to last week's State of the State address, Senate Democratic leader Gloria Butler outlined her party's legislative agenda. Democrats have created a policy strategy we call the four E's, equity, economy, education, and environment. Despite differences in priorities, the two parties agree that education, economics, and broadband are the top three budget items for this legislative session. John Thornton, Gold Dome Debrief. Joe Sylvester is here with more on the priorities for Georgia's education budget. Pandemic or not, it is my commitment that we will make every resource available to give each and every student the opportunity to succeed. During his State of the State address, Governor Brian Kemp spoke on the budget and made very clear that one of his priorities was education. He specifically focused on the health and safety of students, quality basic education programs, and increasing enrollment for higher education institutions. These recommendations for the budget have recently taken precedence as lawmakers have started meetings concerning the budget for the fiscal years of 2021 and 2022 this Tuesday. During the legislative budget hearings on Tuesday, Georgia's school superintendent Richard Woods said his priorities are the mental and physical health of the students and teachers coping with the pandemic. He stressed the need for the legislature to provide additional funding for school nurses and school social workers to help battle the pandemic. We've been working with our, our guidance, uh, you know, counselors, our school nurses and, and people in programs to make sure that we are trying to, to, to alleviate just some of the uh, the, the byproducts uh, of, of the COVID-19 virus. Georgia Department of Education Chief Financial Officer Rusk Rome went deeper into the numbers, detailing exactly how much funding was recommended for the fiscal year 2021 and 2022. The budget instructions and governor's recommendations have exempted the formula and its core components from any further reductions in FY21, and we know that our districts are very grateful for this. In addition, we're excited to see the governor's recommendations include restoring approximately 60% of the austerity cuts to local districts in FY21 and FY22. 
Rome pointed out the governor's recommendation to the legislature about austerity cuts and how it will add 9 million back to quality basic education programs, allocating $577 million every year to the local districts. Rome mentioned the original reduced budget, which was based on the U.S. Department of Education's removal of testing requirements for 2020 and 2021, as well due to COVID-19. As you may recall, our initial FY21 budget was reduced in anticipation of the U.S. Department of Education waiving testing requirements in 2020-2021 school year. Our request was denied and as a result of federal law requires us to test. This increase of 5.3 million will allow us to perform these tests and satisfy federal law. Rome recommended that austerity cuts also be restored for next year's budget. Chancellor Steve Wrigley of the University System of Georgia also met with the House via Zoom to highlight the USG's response to the pandemic and its financial impact on the individual institutions. He praised Kemp's proposed education budget. We also understand the pandemic's impact on this state and its economy and the need for you all to adjust to it. As a, re- as a result, we originally did not receive funding for enrollment growth this fiscal year. But as you know, Governor Kemp has recommended these funds in his amended budget for the education agencies and for next year. And we are very grateful and strongly supportive of this recommendation and respectfully ask for your support. The Executive Vice Chancellor for Strategy and Fiscal Affairs for the University System of Georgia, Tracy Cook, stressed the need for a net increase of $65 million for the fiscal year 2021. For fiscal year 2022, she mentions an increase of $131 million focusing on health and retirement, the teaching program, and other organized activities. The recommended budget, as put forth by Governor Kemp, Chancellor Wrigley and Superintendent Woods are, for all intents and purposes, focusing on health and safety due to COVID-19. Joe Sylvester, Gold Dome Debrief. Gold Dome Debrief is a podcast by Fresh Take Georgia. It is produced at the Center for Sustainable Journalism at Kennesaw State University. Gary Green is the executive producer, Josh Azriel is the news editor, Carolyn Carlson is the managing editor, and John Thornton edited this week's episode. Please join us again next week for another Gold Dome Debrief podcast. <laughs>